Today, we're, we're talking about Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving is just around the corner. And uh, I want to I wanna say happy Thanksgiving to all of you in the event that I don't get a chance to greet you after the service is done. My prayer is that you have a wonderful Thanksgiving with friends and family. And if you don't have a place to go for Thanksgiving, you can text the church number and it says Eat Turkey. And if you have an extra place, a setting at your, your place and you want to invite people to come, again, text Serve Turkey and we'll put people together so that no one has to be by themselves for Thanksgiving. All right? Wonderful. Um, so I, I want to just uh, bring to you a, a message on Thanksgiving and talk about what we're thankful for. But in the same light, I, I want to talk to you and, and address and maybe talk through what, what it means for our thanks, what we're thankful for as we grow and mature, how that changes in our lives. And, 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 and I know this is my story that I'm going to share with you, but I think we, we kind of share the same story about how our, the things that we're thankful for often mature as we mature as well too. So I'm going to ask you to just think back to the time when you were a child. And try to remember what you were most thankful for. Or maybe, what was your favorite holiday? That's it. What was your favorite holiday? Anybody, Thanksgiving was your favorite holiday? Probably not, huh? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Nine out of ten kids will say, Christmas is my favorite holiday because Christmas, you get presents, right? Roger says, absolutely. He's all excited. And, and, and nine out of ten kids will say, Christmas is my favorite holiday because on Christmas I get presents. And we celebrate that, right? Um, the tenth person, the nine out of the tenth would be me. And because when I was a kid, I thought that my birthday was a holiday as well, too. Because on my birthday, I got presents and all the presents were for me. <laughs> so that was my favorite holiday. And, uh, and so kids love Christmas. The children, they love Christmas. They love their birthdays because they get presents and, and that's what makes them the most thankful. Right? They get, they get gifts. It, it, it says that they're loved when they receive gifts. They're thankful for it. And, and I want to take a moment to tell you a story about my childhood. And this is part of my self-revelation to you so that you get to know your pastor a little bit more. And this is one of my, my favorite stories about when I was in the third grade and, uh, and, and my favorite Christmas gift when I was little. It's a sad story with a great lesson that comes with it. And so I begin the story by telling you that my parents were immigrants. They, they migrated from China to Hong Kong and they lived there for several years. They had my, my brothers, my siblings were born. And then they moved to Hawaii. And 29 days after my family arrived to Hawaii, I was born. And so I'm the only natural citizen in my family, which means I'm the only one in my family that can run for president of the United States. <laughs> and uh, thank you. <laughs> And I knew that when I turned 35, I had the opportunity to do that, but I passed for now. And, um, but I lowered that opportunity over my brothers and sisters that can't run for president of the United States. And uh, so I, I grew up, and, um, and, and because my family was an immigrant family, we, we, we were poor, right? We, we didn't have much, and, um, and I have lots of stories about not, not having when, when I was a kid. 
and, and growing up with, with less than what others had, but not knowing that, and so it was, it was, it was okay. What, some of the things that marked my childhood of poverty <laughs> was, was all I wore was hand-me-downs. That's all I had. I had two older brothers and, unfortunately, an older sister. And so <laughs> I got her hand-me-downs too, and it was terrible. It was embarrassing. All my life, uh, I, 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 I partook... I, I, took part in the subsidized school lunch program because that's the only way to get lunch uh, when I was a kid. And, um, and when I was a kid during Christmas, my siblings, we never gave gifts to one another it's because we didn't have anything to give. We, 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 just, we, we, we just kind of had what we had and, and were grateful for what was, what was shared with us. Every year, my parents would give the four of us one gift. And it was a box of, a giant box of fireworks because our heritage, you know, being Chinese, um, we lit fireworks on New Year's. And so we, we, we even had to wait after we opened the box on Christmas. We knew it was every year, but we had to wait a whole week before we could set it off. But we were so excited to get fireworks. And, um, and besides that, maybe an aunt or an uncle would give us a gift. And we would have bought one or two presents under the tree for each of us. And, uh, and we didn't know any better. I, I didn't know until I got married that you can have more than one gift under the tree. <laughs> and, uh, and just a fun story, Rochelle, you know, when we had kids, she'd buy all, lots of presents for the kids. And I'm like, why are you buying them so much, you know? And that's because of where I came from. But I had one aunt, and uh, she was our favorite aunt. Because every year, she was the aunt that we could always count on to get us our Christmas presents. And um, I, I, she, she would come, her trunk full of gifts on Christmas because she would spend Christmas with us. And then she'd put it under the tree and, and, and oh, it was so exciting. So in the third grade, when I opened up my present, I got the greatest gift in the third grade. It was so exciting. I, I, I got an Ultraman t-shirt. Right there. Now, that's not the exact shirt that I got, but that's Ultraman. And, uh, and it was a brand new shirt just for me that no one had ever worn before, right? I was so excited. I put it on. It was a perfect fit for my three-year-old chiseled body. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, uh, and, and I loved Japanese superheroes. And we'd watch Ultraman and Kikaida and Kamen Rider. I see Danny Mangale right there. You know exactly what I'm talking about, but sadly, none of you know what else. So, Danny, that's for me and you, right? Kikaira, Kamen Rider, Raideen, all of them. Oh, and, and, we, and, and so I got this t-shirt, and I was so excited. I put it on. It was a perfect fit. My mom says, take it off. We've got to wash it first, and then you can wear it. And so I took it off. My mom washed it. And, and, and so that you understand, you know, I didn't have much growing up. All I had was hand-me-downs. No nice clothes. This was the nicest thing I owned. And so I put it on a hanger and stuck it in the closet. And this was the only clothes that I had in the family closet that was hanging up. And I, and I thought, I'm going to wear this, you know, on every special occasion. And so when school started right after Christmas break, um, the first thing I remember was they said, Next week is picture-taking day. So the teacher said, wear your nicest clothes and w when we take our class picture. And I'm like, ah, oh, I got the perfect shirt. 
I was so excited. I'm going to wear my Ultraman t-shirt. And so, on the day of picture-taking day, I reach into the closet, put the shirt on. It fit perfectly on my body. And I went to school. And my teacher, she, she didn't know exactly what she, was, what she had said, that how it would make me feel. But she, said, she looked at me and, you know, her brows furrowed. She said, Gordon... I told you to wear your nice clothes. That's what she said to me. And I'm like, my jaw dropped. I said, duh, look at this. She obviously didn't have an appreciation for Ultraman like I did. And what what she said didn't bother me because I was proud to wear my shirt. So we had picture-taking day and, and, uh, and we took pictures that day. And when I got home from school that day, I don't think I even washed the shirt. I took it off, put it back on the hanger, and put it back in the closet for the next opportunity that I had to wear my Ultraman t-shirt. That shirt was kind of like a tuxedo for me, you know. You only wore it on special occasions. And so I waited for the next special day to come. But when you're in the third grade, special days are hard to come by. It's not like there's a lot of special days that you can wear your nice and favorite clothes to. And so some time had gone by before I could wear my shirt again. And when the next time came, I'm like, yes, I can finally wear my shirt again. Third grade graduation, right? And so... It had been a couple of months that had gone by, but on the last day of school, I went and opened the closet door, reached in, and the most awful thing, it was crazy, I I couldn't understand it. The shirt sitting there in the dark closet shrank two sizes. I went to put it on, I could barely get my head through the top, and when I put it on, the shirt only came up to here, my belly button was showing... And I looked like Cher from Sonny and Cher. (laughs) Sorry for the young people that don't get the 1970s reference, but, you know. And I was like, what happened? I I couldn't wear it to my third grade graduation. And you probably figured out the shirt didn't shrink. I just had a growth spurt. And I was so sad. I almost cried that I couldn't wear my Ultraman t-shirt for my third grade graduation. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, I learned a great lesson on that day from this. And that is, when you're buying clothes for children, always buy it two sizes bigger, especially if you're going to buy Ultraman gear. <laughs> that was the great lesson that I learned on that day. <laughs> The sad part about my story is I only got to wear my favorite shirt once, just one time, and it never fit again. So another good lesson is, you know, wear your favorite clothes often so you don't miss the opportunity to to, to get the chance to wear your favorite clothes. I, I share all of that funny, that great funny story, but just to highlight the fact that when we're kids, gifts are special, Right? We love them. And, 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 and my, my aunt that bought me that Ultraman t-shirt, the next year she bought me a G.I. Joe action figure. And she was the first one to buy me my, bas- my first basketball, which became my, the love of my childhood, learning to play basketball and, and, and having so much fun doing that. But as a kid, we love getting presents and we're thankful for them. And I want you to know today, I'm still thankful to receive gifts. For all of the cards and the gifts that you shared with the pastors and staff for for Pastor's Appreciation Day, 
hear me when I say this. Thank you so much. Mahalo nui noa. Mahalo nui loa. I, I appreciate that so much. But I want you to know something else that has happened in my life that I think many of you can, can, can associate with, can, can um, understand. And that is that, that as I have gotten older and as I have matured, the things that bring me the greatest joy has changed. And instead of getting gifts to be the greatest joy of my life, like when I was a kid, I've matured to the place where sharing gifts and giving gifts to the people I love, to give them opportunities to be thankful, is what brings me the greatest joy today. And, and, and what happened in me, I think, is what happens in so many people, is that when we mature, when we get older and mature, the, the, our maturity changes the things that we're grateful for. And so I'm, while I'm still grateful for getting gifts, man, I love giving gifts to the people I love to see their faces light up and be thankful. That's what brings me great joy. And I want you to know, you don't have to be rich or have lots of wealth to be able to give gifts to make other people happy. When Rochelle and I got married, I was still living in poverty. <laughs> we, were, we, were, uh, we were a poor young couple. We didn't have very much. But the, it's the heart that matters. And, and at that time, the Lord had been working on my heart to change the joy that I had. That it wasn't so much that I was so excited to get great gifts from Rochelle. But when we first got married, my greatest joy was, was, was giving her the right gift and the perfect gift. And then I also learned early on that if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. So always get your wife nice gifts, right? Can I get an amen, guys? Not a single amen. You guys are... <laughs> uh, but what a joy it is when we can mature to the place where our greatest joy is not so much in receiving gifts, but in sharing gifts. And then as Rochelle and I had children... You know, the greatest joy was to, to give gifts to our children and see their faces light up. And, and for years, Rochelle would say, my favorite Christmas gift this year was seeing Brienne and Annika's face when they opened up their gifts. And I said, yeah. And that's, that's where I really got the chance to learn the joy of giving. And I was so thankful for the change and the maturity that had taken place in me. Where, where once I used to enjoy getting gifts, now it's in giving. And I know that many of you have the same experience I do. A lot of you understand that maturity. And, and the verse that I'd like to share kind of speaks to this. It's a verse on maturity more than anything. And it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. And the passage of Scripture says, When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child... I reasoned like a child, and when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. What an amazing verse on, a, on, on giving a lesson about maturity. And what this passage tells us is this, that it's okay to be a child, right? I mean, if you're a child and you like gifts, praise God, that's exactly what ought to happen. You think like a child, you act like a child, you reason like a child. When you get a gift and you get excited, it makes those others in the room who like giving gifts blessed. 
right? That's the joy that we get when we see children being children. I love that. But as we grow up, if we hold on to our childish ways, we will miss the joy of maturing. And that's the thing that I want to talk to us about today. The joy of what it is to mature. The joy of what it is to to go from being a person that used to love getting gifts to a person who now loves to share those with the ones that we love. And this lesson not only applies to Christmas and birthdays, but it applies to our spiritual lives as well. This lesson applies to us as, as we grow up and mature in our faith. Because maturity brings amazing things in our lives spiritually. And I would dare say that the very, the very way that our lives change when we we're kids growing up is the same way our lives change in, in spiritual maturity as we grow up as well. So let me ask you another question. Do you remember when you first were saved? Do you remember the early journey of your life when you first became a Christian? Some of you might be right there, right now. You're still early in on the journey of your life. Do you remember what it is that brought you the greatest joy when you first became a believer? I I still remember. It was maybe about eight years after um, when when I was in the third grade. I was in middle school. And then I I first started attending church with my oldest brother, Derek. And I remember my first Sunday walking into church. It was an evening service. And like many of you, I sat on the back row. (laughs) And after the service was done, the people in the church recognized me because I looked like my brother. And they all welcomed me and hugged me and and, and just made me feel like I was a part of the church already. And isn't that one of the greatest things about being a part of a community like this? That when you're here, you're family. And even if you haven't seen people long ago, I got a couple of friends I haven't seen in a while. We, we hug them, and, and it's like we never left. So good to see you guys. And if you're a, a, a brand new person in this church, that's one of the most beautiful things about being a part of a church. This church is the community that we share with one another. I'll, I'll tell you this, even as someone who's been in the church for a long time, that's still one of the things I dearly love about the church. But you know what else I was so thankful for along with the brand new community that was a part of my life? I was so thankful that in that church, I learned about Jesus and what he did for me on the cross. I learned that I was loved unconditionally. And I didn't grow up in the church, and so my values were very different from the values of the kingdom of God. And when those two worlds collided... You could, you could hear the nails on the chalkboard screech down because that's what my life was like as I encountered the, the love of God in this church where they, where they loved me and welcomed me unconditionally. But the message to me was this, Gordon, I, I accept you just as you are, the voice of Jesus. 
I love and accept you just as you are, but I love you way too much to leave you this way. More and more every day, I want you to be more like me. And so I began a, a, a journey of growth and a journey of beginning to mature in my early days as a young Christian. And you know what I was told? I was told that I was a sinner in need of saving. And, and I was told that every sinner needs a Savior. And I found that to be true. Because in the journey that I had, I really wanted so much to be good. I wanted to be a, a better person every day. And, and so in, in, in the, the clash of values from a, a person that didn't grow up in, in the church, I didn't have the values of the kingdom, my language would be terrible when I wasn't in church and when I was with my friends. I acted in ways that I shouldn't have. I, I even continued to, to do things like I stole my friend's wallet. He wasn't my friend at the time. I'll tell you about that in a, a great sermon one day. But just, you know, doing things that you ought not to do. And I didn't want to do it. I tried my best to be good. And I don't know if you guys have ever been down that road where you keep trying to be good and do right, but you you can't. And you constantly fail and you fall. And I've, then I, I read this passage of scripture that the Apostle Paul wrote. And I thought, are you, are you writing this about me? In Romans chapter 7, beginning at verse 15, Paul writes this. I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do... What I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it's no longer I myself would do it, but the sin that's living in me. For I know the good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil that I don't want to do, this is what I keep on doing. And have you ever journeyed down this road? I think this is all too common for, all, for, for many of us who have struggled in the early days of our faith, trying to do good by ourselves, but constantly failing. And yet, on this journey of maturity, where God is helping us and, help, and teaching us, and we're learning and we're growing, and then we get down to verse 24. Because I was struggling with how to change my life and be better. And, and, I, and, I, and I couldn't. I was stuck. I didn't have it in me. But the, the, the Apostle Paul, he shared the answer in verse 24. What a wretched man I am. That's what he wrote. But I, he, he could have been talking about me. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ. And when I accepted Christ in my heart, I was, I was told, and I believed it to be true, and I felt it, that Jesus is in you. And He is with you. And He loves you. And where you cannot, He can. And if you would surrender those things that you feel like you cannot, you cannot handle, you, you're, you're struggling with, you've tried to be good, my, my, my language was so bad. 
when I was in junior high, when I first came to, when I first started going to church, when I was with my friends, every other word was a cuss word. And, and I wasn't even mad, but that's how we all spoke. And then I tried to change. I really did. Someone said, hey, Gordon, aren't you a Christian? I said, yep, I love Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And then he said, why do you swear so much? And it, honestly, this is the clashing of values. I didn't even realize that I was doing it and that it was wrong and I shouldn't. As an as a example of what a Christian ought to be. It didn't even occur to me until that moment. And that's when the Holy Spirit moved into my heart. That's, that's when the voice of God speaks to you and says, hey, Gordon, I can help you with this. And little by little, when I not tried to do better, but I surrendered more to the Lord. God, take this from me. I don't want to do this anymore. Help me. And the Lord helped me. And changed the way I spoke. So that now, I only swear when I'm playing golf. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Jim says, I've played with him, I know. <laughs> and when I confess to God, I want you to know it took some time. You know why? I had a lot to confess. I had a lot to confess, and I had a lot to surrender. And the more that I surrendered, the more God revealed to me. And and I was so grateful. I got to tell you, I came face to face with understanding the joy of what it is to receive forgiveness and grace. I, I had so much that I should have been held accountable for. So much that I could have been punished for. And the pastor who was preaching when I was a kid said, Jesus took care of that on the cross for you. And you don't have to worry about that anymore. Just seek his forgiveness. Because salvation is a gift. You can't earn. You accept freely. And when I began to understand that, my life changed. I was so grateful for the gift of grace and the gift of forgiveness. And I think back to when I was a child, how much I loved getting gifts. And it just filled my heart and my soul. But I will tell you this also, I didn't stay there. And along the way, I continued to learn and I continued to grow. And as I did, this beautiful gift that God gave to me in, in grace and forgiveness is something that I kept asking for because, like all of us, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But as I continued to confess and learn that if we confess our sins, that He is faithful and just to purify us from all unrighteousness. And through Jesus, I went from being a sinner to being saved. I went from being lost to being found. I went from being a person who was filthy. And First John told me, First John 1 John 1.9 says, that I could be purified. Wow. And as a new believer, I continued to seek every new opportunity to grow in my faith. And with every opportunity God provided, my faith matured. And my faith matured to the place 
where one day, as I was reading Hebrews, I learned that God desired that I grow beyond this continual cycle of learning about forgiveness and asking forgiveness through repentance. And, 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 and instead of just seeking this, this gift, this, this, just the beauty of, of that, um, that cycle of asking God to forgive me every time I fell short, God said, there's something better for you than just going through this again and again and again. And in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, it says, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to, here's that beautiful word, maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and faith in God. For everyone, there is a step of maturity to be taken. And it doesn't matter where we're at along the way in the journey of our faith. We have a step to take towards maturity. The forgiveness that I was so thankful to receive is now something that brings me so much joy to give. And in much the same way, maturity took my joy from used to being receiving gifts and receiving grace to now learning to give to those that I love and learning to forgive those whom I love that have hurt me as well too. I love forgiveness and grace. And because I have it, because I've received so much from it, from the Lord, it's, it's a gift now that I can share with those who are around me. And the reason that I have found so much joy in extending forgiveness and grace is because the result of extending forgiveness and grace to the people whom I know and whom I love, that you know what the joy is? It is a restored relationship with the people that I know and that I love. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? That, that, that you, you, God gives us this beautiful gift of forgiveness to restore our relationship with Him. And when we receive it, we can share it with those that we love. And I believe that's God's heart for each of us. That His gift to us is not something to be hoarded and kept, but to to be shared with those around us. And so, during this Thanksgiving, my prayer is that this Thanksgiving can be a time where we take take to heart the maturity of our faith. And, and in, in our thanks, we would not just be thankful for the things that we have, that we have received, but we would be thankful for the things that we can give and share as well, especially for those that we love. And the gift then that leads to renewed and restored relationships is what I think I'm going to be most thankful for in this new year. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 is a very iconic chapter. Just by me saying it, most of you who have been in the church for a long time understand and recognize that it is the chapter of love. And this passage of scripture that I took for our, our, our passage today, from verse 11, talking about childish things, 
comes from the context of love. Maturing love for a church that has struggled to understand what true love really looks like and Paul leads them through pointing out all of the things where they have fallen short. And then he ends, in, well, he picks it up in verse 13, and he's, chapter 13, and he says, you can do all great things. You can speak in the tongues of men and of angels. You can have prophecy, the gift of prophecy and knowledge and fathom all things. You can even give good gifts to people like we're talking about now, not just being grateful for receiver. You can give all that you possess to the poor, but without love, for nothing. And so, I want to bring all that back to let you know the foundation of all of this is on love. The love that God has for us that He has deposited into each of our lives through the grace and forgiveness that we have received. And He gives us the opportunity to mature and grow to sharing that love to the people who are around us. With the foundation of that being Our love for God grows in the midst of all of that. And so today, I can't think of a better way for us to finish this service today than expressing that great love. And thinking about what it is that we are so thankful for. Think about that for a moment. Today, not when you're a kid, but today, what are you thankful for? And my hope and prayer is that you can, you can come to the place where you can be thankful for how you have matured in your faith. Or, if you're early on in your faith, you can be thankful for the grace and forgiveness that Jesus gives so freely. But whatever it is, may, may it be all built on the foundation of love that God has for us. And today... I can't think of a better way to close our service than to take the opportunity to pray. And if your family is here with you, I I would love for you to pray together. And and if you want to come to the altar, I think it would be such a beautiful thing. When was the last time, parents, that you got to pray with your children together? Here. Husbands and wives. When was the last time you got to pray together? Here, friends. Some some people shared a friendsgiving last night. It was a lot of fun. When was the last time you got to pray together as friends and 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 be thankful for what you have received and then what you can give as you have matured in your faith? One of the most beautiful things is if we can pray together as a family, the family of God. And so today, if you would like to come and pray, and I'd love for you to join me, I'm going to ask Rochelle to join me, and and we're going to pray. Thank God for our marriage. Thank God for our children. And then ask the Lord, Lord, with all that you have blessed me with, what can I give? How can I share this beautiful bounty with the ones that I love that pray alongside me? And if you want to pray where you're seated, that's fine too. The whole goal of what I hope and pray we can do is just draw closer to the Lord. That's the whole thing. And so today, as we sing, draw me close to you. May this song, just not be a song we sing. 
may be your prayer. If you're struggling with something in your life, like I was when I was a teenager, even today sometimes, and you, Lord, help me. Forgive me. I can't do this by myself. I need your help. If that's your prayer today, I'd love to pray with you as your pastor. Let's grow together. Let's mature together. And if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior before, John 1.12 says, Yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Today you can be a child of God by opening your heart to Him, accepting Him as your Lord and Savior, believing that His Son Jesus Christ died on the cross and is now sitting at the right hand of God the Father. And I want you to know, church, when that happens, all heaven celebrates with you. So stand with me today. And let's pray. Let's sing. Draw me close to you. And if you want to pray for whatever it is, Pastor Robert is here. For those of you who are in the extension room, Pastor Paul is there with you. I am here. If you want to pray with your family, invite them to come and join you. Let's draw close to the Lord today. Amen.